This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Marshall Ramsey. And despite adversity, our guest today beat the odds and continues to push her limits. She is here with us today to share her personal story and discuss her children's book titled The Strange Animal Farm. So let's welcome the show author and teacher of the visually impaired at the Mississippi School for the Blind, Dr. Lashana Fant. Uh, Dr. Fant, thank you for being with us this morning. And I guess before we get uh, talking about your wonderful new children's book, let's tell us a little bit about you and your background. Okay. First of all, good morning. Good morning. Uh, everyone, Marsha and Michelle, thank you for having me as a guest. I was born and raised in Chickasaw County in the northeast pocket of this state in Houston, Mississippi. The oldest of three kids, I always had a love for reading and writing and nature. Oh, that's awesome. Of course, um, Houston, if, ever, if nobody's been up that part of the world, that is a real part, pretty part of the world. Uh, talk a little bit. You always did. You grew up really loving reading and writing and talk about your passion for learning and and talk about your education. OK, absolutely. I have a doctoral degree from Mississippi College, but I attained my bachelor and master's degree for, degrees from Mississippi State University. I am a quote-unquote lifelong learner. Uh, I, I would rather read and write than watch television. So I, even as a child, my mom said I always just love reading anything that I can get my hands on. So it, it has been nurtured since I was a child. One of the things you love to do, of course, is to serve the blind community. Talk a little bit about what you're doing now. Okay. I am a 16-year educator. I've been here at Mississippi School for the Blind since 2005. I came here as an intern from Mississippi State University, and I stayed. I also am a a member of National Federation of the Blind. We are are an advocacy group, and I just really take delight in helping to enlighten communities about blindness-based information. And and to let them know that we we still live the lives that we want, and, and blindness is just a characteristic. It does not define us. Exactly, and and that's one of the things I I love about your story. You know, Michelle and I were talking about resilience, and we're talking about the times we live in and everything. And your story is just one that's so incredibly inspiring. Would you mind sharing a little bit about your story and what happened to you in your senior year of high school? Absolutely, I was I grew up loving sports and. I have been a basketball player at Houston High School, home of the Hilltoppers. And I was at a basketball game in Jumpertown, Mississippi, in Princess County. And I got sick at the game. And from that point, over a two-month span, I lost around 95% of my vision. To this day, they, they still don't know accurately what happened. But I do have some vision, very little, but I do have a, a little vision. But at that age, like you said, Marsh, I was a senior, and it was it was a devastating blow. But with support of my family and a good, strong support system and my faith, 
I I was able to pick myself up and get some skills to live as independently as possible. I mean, that's that's incredible because, like I said, we were we were both talking about our kids being eighteen year old seniors and everything, and I'm just trying to think about how they would adapt to that. Number one, kudos to your family for being so incredibly loving and supporting, and I know that's made a huge difference. But so when you're eighteen years old and literally, you know, I mean. I, You've got all these other things you think you're worrying about, and suddenly you have to totally relearn how you do everything. I mean, talk about that process. How did you learn how to, you know, I I take it you learned to read Braille and so forth. How did you learn all these things? Oh, I would love to talk about it. I was embarrassed, Marshall. I was embarrassed, and I was ashamed because I couldn't see my classmates' faces anymore, anyone around me. And so it was just a whole new life. What happened is that an ophthalmologist from Memphis, Tennessee, he referred me to Addie McBride Rehabilitation Center for the Blind here in Jackson. And there I was able to learn Braille. I was trained how to walk using my white cane, how to cook in the kitchen using adaptive measures. They just really, how to use the computer because I could no longer see the keys and I had to use a screen reader. But while there, especially the now director, Rosa Gibson, they helped me see that life continues past blindness or, or past anything that may affect us. Life can still go on and we can still thrive. Okay, that right there I'm going to write down, and I think that's going to be the the main lesson for today's show. Life goes on no matter what happens to us. We just have to keep going on. And, you know, I was just thinking about that. What was probably the most the biggest challenge for you at the time? Because obviously there was a physical challenge, but there also had to be an emotional challenge as well. Which one do you think was the toughest for you to overcome? The emotional challenge of, of being 18 years old, a senior in high school, knowing that it's about time for prom and graduation. And the big thing in Houston, Mississippi, was to graduate and walk across the football field. And I wouldn't be able to to walk across the field independently. I would have, have to have a guide. So I, I would say emotionally, because I became socially isolated, I started to socially isolate myself. And so I'll say the emotional part was. You, you talked a lot about your, your your family being supportive, and I could imagine they were just such a huge part. And, and I want to hear some details on that, too. How did your friends react also? My friends, they were shocked. And, yes, my family, they were my main cheerleaders. Michelle and Marshall, I heard you talking about your family, but I must say I have the best family on, side, on this side of heaven. Well, it was like the rug was pulled from up under them, but... After going to McBride and us learning opportunities for people who are blind, because we didn't know anyone, we began to see that we could make it together. And yeah, and I think the key word is together. You know, it's funny, you were talking a little bit about learning how to walk with the cane and everything. When I worked at the Clarion Ledger for years, I would look out onto the street, onto Pearl Street, and you could see literally that was going on. Like every day, every week, I could see somebody else getting to learn how to use the cane. So that was always kind of an interesting process a little bit. And you had to do that. But obviously, you were about to graduate from high school. You had college on the radar. What did you, I mean... Did you decide, okay, I'm going to help other people? Or, I mean, what did, what was your plans when you graduated from high school? My plans were to go into amazing business administration and become a grocery store owner. But after this <laughs> happened, 
I had to revise that whole plan. I, I wanted to, at least. In Houston, we're known for a furniture factory. That, um, that's what we do there. And so what, I knew that I had to help my single mom with my younger siblings. And I used to always help them with their homework. So I was comfortable in being an educator. And I knew that such a drastic change had happened in my life. And so I just wanted to help individuals who were dealing with blindness, individuals and their families, to know that life is still good and that you can still have a blast. One thing that I can say is that I have had a good life, despite all that has happened or in spite of, of it all. But I, but the reason that I am an educator and the reason that I participate with the National Federation of the Blind is to do my part and lend my hand in letting people say, uh, know that life does con- continue past and through blindness. Uh, Dr. Fan, I think you're, you've touched on something that, that I kind of learned along the way, too, after I had cancer a few years ago. But a friend of mine lost his dad to cancer. And so he came up to me one day and he said, well, let's start a road race and, and screen people for the kind of cancer we had so that we can help other people not have that kind of cancer. And it's like as soon as you had this challenge, you suddenly started saying, you know what, what can I do to help other people in this situation? That really is truly the, the, the way to, to happiness, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, do you feel that because you are blind that you're able to relate to your students better when you when you work with them? I think I think that that helps out in a, in huge ways, not only them but their families, and to, uh, it also helps me to give them the skills that they can take back to their communities and to enlighten them and bring awareness of, of blindness. What are you, what are some of your main goals as a teacher when you when you're working with visually impaired students? Marshall, one of my main goals is to build that rapport with them because our students here, not all of them do not live in this area. They come from all across the state. But to build rapport with them and their families and to make learning fun while learning those different strategies that each child prefers. Because right now I'm teaching sixth grade math, fifth and sixth grade social studies and some more classes. So just getting to know those students and their learning styles and just us rocking out learning. I want them to want to be in my class because they know that learning will be fun and enjoyable. I was just trying to, you know, I was listening to your story and I was trying to put myself in your place and I was thinking it would be awfully hard not to get in the fetal position and have a pity party. Do you ever encounter that sometimes with your students and how do you help them get up off the mat? Yes, uh, students and families because each child is at different stages. So, like one, it depends on that child. Like one child I have now, they, she enjoys going outside. She lo- enjoys nature. So we'll go outside and have class and uh, I'll get her out in the community in different ways. And so it just depends on that, on that, on that student and whatever I see that they prefer and that they like, I try to use those things to, to get to the heart of the matter. What do you think some of the biggest challenges you have when you're out teaching? Being that it's my 16th year. Yeah. I mean, I, ha- can't, yeah. I can't think of any challenge. <laughs> the main challenge that I can think of is uh, that family learning that being that this teacher is blind, it doesn't mean that she's not equipped. Right. And that she doesn't have the skills, skills and, uh, uh, and the heart for doing this job. So I think that that's just still part of that 
I'm definitely no expert. Being aware. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely no expert, Dr. Fan, but I think you would probably be even more equipped and qualified as well. And I look forward to uh, talking a little bit more with you about some things, but we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we'll continue our conversation with author and educator, Dr. Lashana Fant. And if you have any questions or comments, man, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can drop us an email at marshall at mpbonline.org. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Hey, this is Malcolm White. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Every week we talk with visual artists, musicians, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcast app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, and today we've been talking with Dr. Lashana Fant. She's an educator at the Mississippi School for the Blind and author of a new children's book, The Strange Animal Farm. Hey, remember, if you'd like to join our conversation, you can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can drop us an email at marshall at mpbonline.org. Ah, I tell you what, you got a great new book out, Dr. Fant, um, The Strange Animal Farm. So let's let's go ahead and dive into that. I'd love to hear a little bit about it. Have you ever visited The Strange Animal Farm before? Yeah, in my mind and heart, it's a cool book. It's full of animals with big personalities. The South is wrapped, wrapped all in this book, and it was just something that I have wanted to do for a long time. And so I started the process of getting it published, and now it has been launched. So it, I'm just so excited. What inspired you? To get it in their hands. Yeah, what mm-hmm. you inspire? Uh, what inspired you for the idea for the book? Well, when I was attending MSU, Mississippi State University, I was in a creative writing class, and so I began the process of writing this book back in 04, I would say. And so finally, I just went, I, I kept thinking about this, this book. It was like it was always carried in my heart, and I just wanted to get it out in the public for people to see and to visit the strange animal farm. I, I tell you, you know, just it's somebody who's done some books himself, I can tell you getting from the idea of, I want to do a book, to actually having a published book in your hand is quite a challenge. Um, I love the title, by the way, The Strange Animal Farm. Where did you come up with that? Well, there are some unique characters in this book. And when I think about this, each character, I would always say, hmm, isn't that strange for <laughs> to have a fly who's a private spy while wearing a bow tie. You know, that's, that's peculiar. And so I, that's why I titled it The Strange Animal Farm. It, you know, um, your imagination, and I can only imagine, because like for me, you know, if I'm doing a cartoon or if I'm doing a, you know, I'm writing something, I picture it in my brain and then I try to describe mm-hmm. it a little bit. And that sounds exactly the way your process works, too. And I probably, I think the listeners would like to hear a little bit of what the book's about. Why don't you tell us kind of quickly what what's the story about? Absolutely. 
actually it introduces each character, each animal that that lives on the farm, and it's probably about it's over twenty some animals, and it describes each animal, and it's just uh, a lot of it rhymes each each stanza does, and so it just introduces each resident there at the strange animal farm. Yeah, I love snails who read Braille, goats who wear coats, and hogs who like to jog. Uh, that's a great mental image, is a, is a hog jogging and a snail reading Braille. Yes, sir. I think so, too. <laughs> that's awesome, a little bit. I like Mark the Shark, too. And, and I mean, just it just it's so fun and so inviting a little bit. How did you choose the animals that you were going to um, write about? Well, like you said, Marcia, they were ideas in my mind. And so once I put my ideas on paper, that's what I developed. So what do these uh, animals get to do together on the on the farm? What's kind of the general plot of the book? I don't want to give away too much, obviously. We don't want to ruin it. The general plot is just to let you know their, their daily activities and to see how these animals with these huge personalities are. Well, actually, I just want to make sure that it's fun to kids and to any adult who is a kid at heart just to see the wonderful personalities of these animals and what they do daily. Well, I mean, just judging by our conversation with you so far, I, I imagine you, you have a rather large personality yourself, and I can see which animal of the group do you feel like represents your personality the best? And, you know, if I was going to say, oh, yeah, that's Dr. Fant, which which animal would that be? Each one of them, because <laughs> every one of them uh, has some type of unique feature that I could identify with, like uh, the deer, he has the number five on him, and that's for my mom, her three kids, and God, so that's number five, and sweet tea is uh, one of the animals drinks sweet tea, and so every one of them I can identify with. That's really cool, and I love hearing the backstory on the animals, too. Um, How long did the process take of, of writing the book and getting it ready and getting it published and so forth? Well, it didn't take me long to write it at all. I I can sometimes write them to a week, but to to get it perfected like we wanted to, it took a couple years. Oh wow! Um, it, it took uh, it was a long process with this published, with getting it published. Well, how did you get it? I, oh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, go, no, ahead. Please, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask you who published the book for you. King Vision Publishing out of Alabama. Oh, nice. How did you come across them? One of my sister's best friends, she had she used them and she recommended me to them. That's such a wonderful Mississippi thing, even though they're from Alabama. It's like you know yes, somebody sir. who knows somebody, and it works out great on that. Talk about your writing process a little bit, and I would imagine you use a computer when you write. Absolutely. I use yeah. a computer, and sometimes I jot my uh, thoughts down quickly using Braille. Okay. And uh, on a Braille writer, but mainly on the computer. Okay. That's pretty cool. Um, who illustrated the book for you? Izzy Bean. Really? And illustrated by the name of Izzy Bean. Yes, sir. How'd you come across Izzy Bean? My, the publisher, she advised us of Izzy, and we looked at her work, and we liked it. I'm about to and say, started that journey. yeah, as a, as an illustrator, I would think that doing your book would be a lot of fun because you're so descriptive in the in the text that it just paints wonderfully beautiful and vivid pictures. Yes, and that's what I want to do. I want them, uh, whoever's reading, to be able to conceive it in their minds while they're reading it as well. And so that's why I'm working on also getting it in Braille for blind students so that they can put their hands on it and be able to, to read it themselves while t- touching the object texture. Um, hands touching the items with that 
with their hands. Yeah, I was going to ask you on that. So I can understand the Braille. Is there anything they can do on the um, illustrations, too, for them to be able to see? I didn't know if they did any raised illustrations or anything like that. That's what we're working on. Getting, that is getting cool. Getting that perfected because we have books like that. All We have books like that here, and they are there are many books like that. And, but I want my books like that also. So when you're working with the illustrator, and I, like I said, I've, you know, I've illustrated a few children's books, too, and I, I know that you work really closely with the author. Did you work with the um, with the, the illustrator to make sure that the look of the characters were just like and exactly what you were picturing in your mind? Absolutely. My brother, he he would tell me what they would look like, and I would convey my thoughts. And so we worked diligently to get them, get them, get them just like I wanted them to. To, to be how I was conceptualizing them in my mind. See, now you just touched on something there too. Your family's still helping you out, aren't they? Your sister and your brother. So you you still have a good team on your side, don't you? Absolutely, I do, and I'm I'm, I'm blessed in that they are some wonderful. They they are part of my team, and they make it better. So, what did it feel like when that first box of books arrived uh, at the house that let you know that you, you your baby was born? It was like a dream come true. Oh, that is awesome. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm like thrilled for you on this. This is great. Um, at the end of the day, what do you want the kids to come away with after reading your book? I want them to know that 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 um, that it was creatively done and that they can, they can visualize it in their minds and that Dr. Fant didn't stop because she became blind at the age of 18. If Dr. Fent can go on, then she's an example that we can, too. And you can make your dreams become reality. Well, I mean, just talking to you now, I mean, I'm inspired. I'll be thinking about you every time I come up against a hardship. Oh, yeah, Dr. Fentz can do it. I can do it. Piece of cake. That's okay. Thank you. Man, I hope we bump into each other soon. I, I just said, you, you're, you're just really such an inspiration. It's really fun to talk to you. And I, like I said, the book is great. And um, I'm really thrilled, too, that, that kids will get to have that inspiration from you as well, because you obviously inspire your students, too. Absolutely. That's my goal. That's a good teacher, definitely on that. Well, let's take our last break, and when we come back, we'll wrap up our conversation with Dr. LaShawna Fant. And if you have any questions or comments for our guests, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-6474. Or you can email us at marshall at mpbonline.org. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advisory and co-host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking 
on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, editor-at-large at Mississippi Today. You can see my work at mississippitoday.org. Hey, today we've had the pleasure of sitting down and talking with educator and author, Dr. Lashana Fant about her new children's book, The Strange Animal Farm. And there's still time for you to get in your questions or comments. We'd love to hear from you. Give us a call anytime at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-6474. Or you can drop me an email at marshall at mpbonline.org. Dr. Fant, I tell you, um, they always say you can't go home again. But you got to go home again, and not only did you got to go home again, but you got to go home for a book signing in Houston. That had to be really cool, and I want you to tell us all about it. Yes, Marsha, it was overwhelming, the turnout. We say that it was probably around 100 people that came, and I mean, they brought their kids, they brought smiles, they resiliently stood in the heat because it was blazing sun, sunshine that day, and it was just a wonderful time. We had it at our local library there in Houston. It was a grab-and-go, that socially distant book signing, and it was it's beyond what my words can describe. So you're 18 years old. You lose your eyesight. You're all worried about what your friends are going to think about you, and you have all this pressure and everything else, and you come back, literally the conquering hero. You have a book. You're teaching. You're making a huge difference in people's lives. What was um, the reaction of your old friends? I know they must have come out to come visit you and see you. What was their reaction when they when they came to your book signing? Proud and proud. They just seemed to be so happy to see that I was what that I was doing just fine, and that I did not let that impede me from enjoying my life. So they came and brought their families and my, some of my old teachers came and neighbors. And it's really, it really seemed like the town, that the whole town showed up, even though they did, it was just so, so many people there. It was very warmly accepted. I, I, I loved it. I mean, if you get a hundred folks in Houston, Mississippi, then that's a pretty good turnout. Yes, it is. <laughs> that is, uh, <laughs> that's, that's a huge turnout. That's, that's, that's yeah, great. But, I mean, that's, that's wonderful, and I, I know you sold a bunch of books, and that was great, too. Um, and I know your family's proud. When you're actually the physical process of you signing books and everything, I take it you had some assistance to help you. They dropped the book in front of you, and you'd, you'd sign it, and it was good to go. Talk about that, though. I'm sure you loved carrying on conversations with everybody that came came in front of you. Oh, yes. I use a signature guide to sign my signature. It just helps to line up, line up the spot where I need to sign, but for each person that came through, I would ask them their names, and just to hear those names, I, I knew pretty much everybody that came through that line. It just made me feel wonderful that they thought enough of me and this process to come out. It, that, that meant a lot to me. That's awesome. Hey, we're talking a lot about uh, back to school. Are y'all back in school now? Today is the first day, Marshall. What? So um, we're taking you away from, from classes, so your students are just out run, roaming around the campus in the halls right now? <laughs> my plan in here. So oh. I talked to my principal and he said, please do it. So that's, that's what's going on right now. Okay, I'm about to say, if we need to write a note for you, we'll be glad to do that, and we can send it to your principal. We don't want you getting in trouble for this. And (laughs) like I said, we're not real far away from where your campus is. So if we see anybody else, you know, that is causing any trouble on that. But I'm glad. So you're excited about the school year? Yes, I'm I'm really excited. Like I said, this is my 16th year, so I'm pretty comfortable 
with with this year. I, I remember the times when I wasn't, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm very excited. It's a new chapter for me. I, I, last year, I mainly taught kin, elementary kids, kindergarten through sixth grade, and now I'm employing some of the high schools as well. I'm excited. Oh wow! So you um, not only are you teaching kids, but now you have to deal with teenagers who with hormones. So that has to be, that's going to be a, definitely a di- different challenge. But I have a feeling I wouldn't want to, to try to cross you and make you mad. Oh, we have a wonderful understanding. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> we have a wonderful understanding. That that yes, sounds like something you might hear on The Godfather. I like that. That's very good. Um, are you are you planning a book tour for the book? Not not at this time, but I am uh, talking to on different stations about the book. Yeah, and we're just really right now trying to see our different options so we can get some things in, in into play. Oh, that'd be great. Good. Um, yeah, I definitely. Uh, if you do a local signing, I definitely want to come and get a copy of it and get it signed by you for sure. Uh, talk a little bit. Have you gotten some feedback from your readers so far about the book? Yes, um, I think one of the most fascinating comments that I have gotten is uh, a little boy named Nash came through the line and. His parents let my, me and my sister know, my sister, we know that every night he wants the book read to him. And so they've read it to him countless times. And after each animal, he says, that is silly. Animals don't really do that, but he loves that book. And I've got some wonderful feedback on social media. So I'm, I'm just happy that it makes people smile and hopefully they're seeing the joy that I want conveyed in that book. You know, I think that's probably one of the greatest compliments that you can receive about a children's book is if the kid continuously asks for it to be read and you're making the child very happy and you're driving the parents nuts, just to let you know that because I've, yeah, I've heard that too. It's like, I've read your book every night for the last six months, but, but that's, that's, that's exactly what you want. And you know, you're making a big difference in the kid's life there a little bit. Um, what's writing and publishing a book? How has it changed the way that you see yourself? I see the business side of things more. Before, I've just looked at the fun of writing, but once you get it published and, and released, it, you see that there is a, a business side to it and a, and a stiff marketing part to it. So that's what I've, I'm, I have begun to to learn and see during this process. Yeah, my cousin's a pretty famous radio and author and all that. And he once told me, he said, go into a bookstore and look around. He said, the bookstore doesn't sell books. You sell books. And, of course, that's what you're that's what you're doing right now is selling books. Mm-hmm. And you definitely made me want to get one for sure. So you've learned about the business side of it. What advice would you give a uh, young writer working on their first book? And I know some of your students someday may be authors too. Do what, what's inside of you. It's going to always be people that don't like your work or something that you publish, but do what is inside of you. Have fun while doing it. If you're not going to self-publish and you're going to get a a publisher, just investigate it. Make sure you're comfortable with that process, but but do what's in your heart to do, and that's what I have done. I, I love reading, and I love writing, and this is one of many books that I will publish. I've always heard that you can tell a lot about a person they're, that they're kind of like oranges. You can tell what's inside of them when they're squeezed. Um, you were definitely squeezed when you were 18 years old, and uh, you, you definitely, what came out has been absolutely gorgeous as both being a teacher and an author now and having a great book a little bit. I, I was going to bounce back to your school year, and I, I forgot to ask you this. Did you, were you all virtual last year? 
No, we, we, so you we never were. were back on campus, but we did have some kids who had hybrid schedules and some that were totally virtual. But right now, everyone is back in yet. So everybody's back. Okay, great. Yes, Good sir. Yeah, I was just going to ask, is, I mean, is obviously COVID something I think we're all worried about and so forth. Y'all, y'all are taking all the precautions and everything. Absolutely. We have implemented our safe plan and um, masks are mandated and we've talked about the cleaning process and all of that. So we're just trying to do it, do what we need to do to keep kids learning in a safe environment. So um, what are some of the things that you are teaching this year? Just out of curiosity, when you're teaching the older kids, are you teaching them like, you know, history, math, so forth? Or what What were some of the things that you teach? Okay. Hang on, Marshall. Okay. I'm teaching sixth grade math, mm-hmm. fifth and sixth grade social studies. I'm teaching everyday living skills, what may remind you of like home ec. I'm helping with transition, and I'm also co-teaching a health class. And right now, I think that completes it. <laughs> Although the day's young, right? You may be teaching you may be teaching biology and, and uh, calculus next, right? Yeah, you have to stay ready. Oh, I'm impressed. I'm impressed as well. If you have to describe yourself in three words, what would it be? That's a good question. So I would say fun, loving, and purpose-driven. Those are the three words that come to mind you know i'm not real surprised about any of those three because the purpose do you feel like that you would not be the person that you are if you had not struggled and suffered what you the setback that you had when you were 18 do you feel like that it has honed you and made you a stronger person no doubt about it and and when you asked me that question uh, it really brought tears to my eyes because Sometimes we can look at struggles as something that does not benefit us, but there's no doubt about it that it's helped shape me into who I am today. Yeah, and I think you're helping shape others into who they're going to be, too, and I think that's what makes that even more beautiful as well. Thank you. So what's next for you? Are you sitting down writing another book? You got that right. (laughs) Done. (laughs) I write, um, I'm always writing books. But my next book should be released early 2022, and I also write editorials for my hometown newspaper, which I absolutely love, and I submit articles to other publications. But that's what's on the near horizon and what's going on with me right now concerning my writing. Excellent. Real quickly, where can we find your book? You can visit lfantbooks.com, and that's my personal website. And you can find the book on there. Dr. Fant, I have absolutely loved this conversation today. Congratulations on the new book. And we will hopefully talk again soon. But we want to thank you, of course, for joining us today. And want to thank our guest, Dr. Lashana Fant, for sharing her incredible story with us. And if you'd like to hear the show again or any past episodes, you can listen to the podcast at mpbonline.org slash now you're talking. Now you're talking is a production of MPB Think Radio and is produced by Michelle McAdoo. So stay tuned for Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit with Josie Bidwell. And join us next week for more great conversations here on MPB Think Radio. Y'all have a great week.